you team so much for leading us this morning. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, so I invite you to join me there. And as you are turning there, a uh, quick question. Has, has anybody in the room or online, if you're listening, uh, has anybody ever been to the Redwood Forest in Northern California? Anybody? All right, one, two people. Okay, maybe three. Uh, I've longed to go to see the Redwoods. About three years ago, I was in North Cal- Northern California, and I was about three hours from being there, and I didn't quite make it. It was so close, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have made it. Uh, but these trees are incredible. They're, they're giants. I've just seen pictures. That's all I've ever seen. So this picture is of some of those giant Redwoods, in the Redwood Forest in Northern California, average height is somewhere around 240 feet uh, tall, around 15 feet wide. That's kind of the, uh, or the diameter, that's kind of the norm. Uh, there's actually, the, the largest tree in the world is a Redwood. It's a coastal Redwood named Hyperion. There's a picture of that one, and uh, it's, it, it is a beast. It is giant. It is somewhere around 380 feet tall. Uh, and it is still living, it is still growing, and just uh, for a little perspective, uh, that's about 70, almost 75 feet higher than the top of the Statue of Liberty's torch. So, so that is a giant tree. It's a giant. So I want to go back to that forest again, because here's what's interesting about these trees, is you will never find a giant redwood just an isolation growing on its own. You don't see it. You see them in groves. You see them thriving together in groves. What's interesting about these trees, as giant as they are, ginormous as they are, you would think that their root system had to just like go down to the earth's core basically in order to, 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 to grow to be this giant. But, but, the, but the reality or the truth is, interesting, the root systems you will find grow somewhere just between five to six feet right underneath the surface of of, of you know, of the grass or of, of the yard, whatever they'd be growing in. It's interesting. Now, now it'll grow about 100 feet out from the base, but what's interesting, again, is, is you find them, these trees, in, in groves. They thrive in groves, and so what happens is their root system actually intertwine with the root systems of the other giant trees, and some of them even fuse together, which allow them to be able to grow and to stand and to withstand all the pressures that may come upon them. Now, I think you can kind of see where we're going here because this is actually another reminder from our Creator of the design of the church. In other words, the believer is not designed to be out there and to live in isolation and kind of all by themselves, but instead designed to thrive and designed in a grove, and that grove would be the local church. And the idea is that our lives and our hearts would be intertwined together and even fused together in unity so that God would be glorified, so that we would be on mission for Him together and that we could withstand whatever pressure, storm, or, or uh, danger that may arise. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, even in light of what we're walking through uh, currently, really all over the world, this pandemic. I'm so thankful that we're beginning to take steps forward. 
But, but, but you know, there's the pandemic, but then there's also just those things in our personal lives. Um, just even this morning, just having an opportunity to pray with certain folks that are going through heavy situations, uh, whether it's sickness, loss, uh, surgeries that are happening in just the next couple of hours and even moments. I mean, like, there's a lot going on right now, and so God's design for us is that we don't go about this on our own, but we, we go through it together as the church. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing this letter to the church at Colossae. He's actually writing from a Roman prison cell, and he's writing to this, what would some consider a little church in Colossae, a long, long way away. And this church was, was growing and, th- and thriving. Epaphras was actually uh, the church planter there. Uh, while Paul was in Ephesus preaching and teaching, Epaphras uh, repented of his sin, placed his faith and trust in Christ for salvation, and he left Ephesus and then went back to Colossae, which was his hometown, and he planted a church. And then, and then this young church, the Bible tells us, is growing. Their strong faith in Christ, their love for one another, their hope, they're bearing fruit, they're increasing. Uh, but yet there were pressures from the outside that were that were laying into this young church and trying to hijack the pure gospel. And so Epaphras, this church planter, is like, I need some wisdom, I need some some guidance here. And so he makes the trip to Rome, tells Paul, and so Paul writes this letter to encourage the church. And again, there's these pressures that are coming in. And and, and so for this church, he's going to remind us today, just a simple phrase, three letters, but I hope, or three words, I hope it stays with us a little bit. But it's simply this. It's that together we pursue. Together we pursue. Together we pursue. It is impossible for you to grow in your relationship with Christ the way He has designed apart from the local church. It's impossible to do. And so in these seven verses, we're going to see what it is we're pursuing. Together we pursue the church is to be a unified community together running after Jesus that if we ever lose sight of why we're here then we're in trouble <laughs> we're here for the glory of God we're here for the mission of God that drives everything that we do everything that we do and throughout scripture you see a running theme of community even from early on you see in the old testament the nation of Israel You see in the New Testament, this band of disciples that Christ has gathered together. You see it in the New Testament church. That we're all designed to be a part of a larger body. On Wednesday nights, midweek, we're doing a study called, uh, well, really, it's it's just called the Disciples' Prayer. That's what we're walking through, the Disciples' Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. And it's interesting because this is Jesus telling us, his disciples, how to pray. And he begins with saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I think that's interesting because he says, Our. He says, Our. And as you follow that disciples' prayer, him teaching them how to pray, he's saying, Give us this day our daily bread. And he's, what he's doing, he's teaching us to pray in light of the community of faith. In other words, that we are together, we're praying Together, And I love what one of my mentors says. He said, church is not an event we go to, but it's a family that we belong to. That it's not just this, this gathering that we, that we go and, and, and kind of participate in and be like, okay, we'll see you next Sunday. 
But it is rather, this is a family. That's the picture. It's a picture. And just like every other family, you know, it's interesting at times, right? But we're a family. And we're designed to grow together and that it's together we pursue. And it is in this broken world where broken things are happening all around us that the world is looking to the true lasting source of peace. And His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And we have been stewarded, with, entrusted with this gospel to take out into this broken world that desperately needs Jesus. That's how they're going to know. And so as we walk through these first seven verses, a couple observations. But one is this, is that as the church, together, we pursue Christ in unity. We pursue Christ in unity. In verse 1, Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. So Paul Certainly longed to go to Colossae. He wanted to see the local church there, but he never was able to make it. But he longed to see them. And he says this, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. That word struggle is is the same word used for fight. And so what Paul's saying is, I want you to know that I am fighting for you. I want you to know that I'm fighting for you. And this fighting, he tells the Ephesian church, isn't against flesh and blood, right? we got to remember that. That's a good thing for all of us to remember, is that our war is not against flesh and blood. He says this in Ephesians 6, 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That there are two kingdoms at work. And regardless of, of whether like you, you feel it or see it or know it, there are two kingdoms that are laid out in Scripture. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness is the rule and reign of sin, and the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. Just earlier in the same letter, Paul is encouraging them. And how in Christ, Colossians 1.13, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness... And transferred us in the kingdom of His beloved Son. And Paul is saying, I am fighting for you. I am praying for you. And the encouragement for us is that as a church, we would be praying for one another, fighting for one another in prayer. That as your pastor, my heart is to come alongside you, intercede for you, pray and fight, fight this spiritual war that we're in. He says in verse 2, he says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love their hearts this this organ about the size of our fist it's the 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 center of our circulatory system it's pumping blood all through the body um it is it is that that center really uh for life and if you think about it even in scripture or even as we kind of talk kind of amongst ourselves that word heart can also be like the control center for our lives all right because it's in our heart that we have emotion or experience an emotion in our heart we experience love in our hearts we decide we have a will that's why we say things like i love you with all of my heart and what paul's saying is i pray that your heart may be encouraged that word is strengthened it's the same word jesus uses to describe the work of the holy spirit in john 14 when he references the holy spirit or names the holy spirit as the helper 
It's the one to come alongside. And what Paul is saying is, I pray your hearts are walking side by side together. That's the picture. Side by side together. Knit together in love. You remember those redwoods? These ginormous trees, root systems, all interconnected with each other, fused together in order to withstand that word Knit together also brings to mind that, that same language we'd use for weaving fabric. Okay, so I don't know how many of you on the side are kind of a... My mom was a cross-stitcher growing up, and, uh, and she would make these cross-stitch pieces. And I remember like the front side would say like, Welcome or Merry Christmas or something like that. But you flip that thing around on the other side, and you know what it looks like? A mess. <laughs> it looks like, what? What is that? Isn't that incredible? And, and that's the picture. It's like Paul saying, hey, as the church, you are united together, knit together in love. In other words, we are here we are, all different colors, all different skill sets, all different personalities, all different um, experiences, all, all those things. And, and here it is. You, you, you weave the church united together. And what it is is it shows this beautiful picture of unity and the gospel and the hope that is found in Jesus but we're knit together. Every believer a thread essential in this mission that he's given us. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male, no female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And he says that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love. Why? Here it is. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Their hearts are coming alongside each other. They're coming alongside each other, woven together to go after Jesus. To go after Jesus. The purpose is to go after Christ because in Him is everything. In Him is everything. Assurance, knowledge, truth. Everything is in Him. Salvation in Him and Him alone. Peace in Him in Him alone. Hope in Him and Him alone. We're going after Christ and the riches that are found only in Him. And so the question that we must ask ourselves as we read this and see this and even maybe gain a picture of what this looks like, the question is, am I committed to the body of Christ? Am I connected to the body of Christ? Because I get it. There are those times where we just kind of, I mean... Sometimes it's good just to sit in the shadows a little bit, you know, and, and just like kind of like kind of back away. And, but, but, the, but the encouragement there is let's not go about this in isolation. You're a significant, important part of the body. God's design is that you're interconnected with other members of the body so we can pursue this mission together. And so we, we must be a part. We must be unified. But you also see as the church together we pursue Christ as our greatest treasure. He's our greatest treasure. Verse 3, in whom, so that's Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom, Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is more than enough. you got to remember in Colossae, the deity of Christ was under attack. In other words, there were false teachers that were leaning in, pressuring this church, and they were rejecting the deity of Christ. So some would all together reject Jesus, and then others were like, yeah, you need Jesus, but you also need this. And so it became Jesus plus 
ceremony, Jesus plus tradition, Jesus plus law, Jesus plus works, Jesus plus dietary restriction, all these different things. And this is all false teaching because sufficiency is in Jesus. He's, he is the treasure. And the, the, the real math is this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. <laughs> Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He's the greatest treasure. And the idea of hidden isn't that Jesus is playing hide-and-go-seek with us. You know, like, he's going to go hide, you go find him. In other words, no, this word hidden actually communicates that it's in him that we are wrapped. In him we are wrapped up and we are kept safe in him. He's not only the treasure, but he's the treasure chest. He's the treasure. I love his teaching in Matthew 13. He tells a one-line parable that I think communicates us that Christ is treasure. He says this, Matthew 13, 44, The kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of God, is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, he covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. That's the picture. The picture is that when you discover Christ, and you begin a relationship with Christ, that you understand that He is the greatest treasure and He is worth forsaking everything else to have Him. And the challenge is that we would not allow anything, any counterfeit treasure to convince us otherwise. Because there are so many counterfeits out there. There are counterfeits that come with a title by the name. You pursue that title, you get that title, then you'll have satisfaction. Or you kind of work to, to get that certain salary or whatever, and you think, okay, if I can just reach that, then that satisfaction comes and everything's going to be okay. Or that relationship or that bottle or that drug or whatever that might be, that somehow this thing is going to satisfy. But ask anybody, ask anybody if there is satisfaction found in those things. And the answer is no. It's a dead end road. And Christ is the treasure above all. I've, I've heard it said in times when they think of heaven and, and eternity and say things like, you know, I bet they're killing a big buck in heaven right now or they're fishing in God's big pond. But, but the, like, sometimes maybe that helps us, but, but let's not be mistaken. The treasure is Jesus. <laughs> like he, he is what makes heaven heaven. <laughs> and, and it's the fact that we get to spend eternity with our Savior, the one who redeemed us, the one who saved us, the one who transferred us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Like We get to spend all eternity. He's the treasure. He's the treasure. And so we got to ask ourselves, is there anything in our lives that is serving as a hindrance or a block to pursuing Jesus as the treasure of our lives? And that takes time and that takes being vulnerable, and that takes being honest with God and allowing the Holy Spirit that time to work. Because sometimes it may be that we know what those things are and we don't want to go down that road, so we don't want to pray about it. But rather, don't we, don't we want to walk in the fullness of Christ and all that He has for us? This is His design. In verse 4, He says, I say this. So here's the reason I say all this. Here's the reason that, that I pray that you are strengthened. Here's the reason that I pray that you are united together in love. Here's the reason why I'm telling you Christ is the treasure, and that is this. Verse 4, I say this, that in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, in other words, that you may not be distracted from smooth talk. 
smooth talk. Believers need to have this settled conviction in our hearts of the deity of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ because there is going to be an attack on Christ alone for salvation and His sufficiency. Now, I don't want to take a poll right now, but I'm wondering how many of you saw those infomercials and it sounded so good that you just got the credit card out and you bought it right there on the phone, right? You know, there's this, this smooth talk, you know, you're like, I'm not going to get a timeshare. I'm just going to go and I'm going to sit through the thing and I'm going to get a free weekend somewhere. And by the end of it, you're signing on a dotted line and now you have a timeshare. Like that smooth talk, that smooth talk, we get distracted. We got to be careful. My wife and I had a garage sale a couple of years ago and uh, like it was all done and we were settling up and counting the money and I was outside doing something and my wife ran out and she, she was bringing this right here with her, a $20 bill, and she says, it's a fake, it's a fake, it's a fake. And, and here's the thing, if, if I were to hold, give you this $20 bill, you'd be like, sweet, I got a $20 bill. But when we were counting, it started feeling a little bit different. And then we matched it to the real thing. And the closer that we looked, guess what we started seeing? We started seeing a little white line across the top where it was cut just right. And we got took. We got took. And I guarantee you it was in a moment when there was a lot happening and a lot, I mean, kids were having a lemonade stand over here and, and man, people were buying some stuff and it was awesome. And I just can picture somewhere in the middle, somebody's like, hey, you got change for a 20 or here you go. And there's all this going on. Here's the thing is, is it, if we're not guarded and not Christ as our treasure and we buy into anything else, we are falling for a counterfeit that is fake. It's fake. Only satisfaction, true peace. Hope, lasting joy is found in Christ. And so there is this encouragement. Listen, if Christ is not your treasure, you are susceptible to falling into counterfeit traps because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He is truth. He is truth. Verse 5 says, For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, Rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Good order and firmness. The, like, remember Paul is in a prison. And I'm no doubt very familiar with the Roman army. And as a matter of fact, I'm thinking the whole region is familiar with the Roman army. This is military language. He's using military language to describe the picture of this church, the body of Christ, knit together in love. That word, seeing your good order speaks of soldiers that are drawn up, ready to do battle. He says, not only your good order, but your firmness in faith. It refers to that solid foundation rooted in Christ that we'll see in a moment, ready for war, that spiritual war, because that's what we're in. And so this prayer was that they would be encouraged, strengthened, knit together, pursuing Christ as, tre as treasure, not susceptible to smooth-talking counterfeits or fakes. But the next two verses talk about our walk. So, so it's almost like he's praying what he's praying for this local church. But then he's going to talk about the practice of this local church. And we see he's going to talk about their walk. And that as the church, we pursue together growth and gratitude. Growth and gratitude. Verse 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Remember, he's writing to the church. Do you remember, I just question, like, do you remember for those believers in the house? Do you remember that day? Do you remember that night? 
Do you remember that time where you acknowledged your need for Jesus and your sin and you repented of your sin and you placed your faith and trust in Christ for salvation? I want you to think about that. I'm going to ask my little buddy to help me. Come here, Wayway. This is Ms. Waverly. All right. You're good at hiding your face. Yes, you are. This is my, this is my Waverly. This is my Wayway. This is my big girl right here. And, uh, and so, so here's the picture that I want us to paint. Is that regardless of what age you were, whether you were a child, whether you were uh, an adult, maybe you're a grown adult, when you accepted Christ as the Lord of your life, you began a relationship with Jesus. So right here, why don't you hold Daddy's hand. And this is the picture. You began a relationship with Jesus. And what Paul is trying to help the church remember, he says, as many as you received Christ Jesus as the Lord, so walk in Him. And that this is a picture of what that relationship looks like. That Christ is leading the way. No one can snatch us from our Father's hand. I love the assurance and the security of salvation in Christ. But it's this idea that we're walking together and we're spending time together. I mean, if I were to tell you, hey, how do you have a relationship with somebody? I guarantee you, you would say, well, you would spend time with them. <laughs> you would talk to them, right? You would listen to what they have to say. You would desire maybe to, to, to serve or help, encourage. And so this picture is of relationship. But what happens is, is that sometimes as we grow in our faith, we can become callous or we can forget how Christ rescued us. From our sin. And we begin to want to do our, our own thing. So wait, wait. Okay, we're going to try this. I want you to lead the way and drag daddy, okay? So you go. And so what it ends up is looking like this right here. Right? I'm going to do my thing my way. And I'm going to show y'all where I'm going to do. And Jesus, you're just coming along for the ride. And you're really good at that, by the way. And so we're going to stop right now. But, but, but that's not the design. The design is that you walk with him. How do you do that? It looks like, as he told the Colossians earlier in the letter, that they would be filled with the knowledge of His will by saturating your, saturating your life with His Word, communing in prayer, being a part of the body of Christ in relationship, that you would, by His grace and the strength of the Holy Spirit, doesn't this look like us sometimes in our relationship with the Lord, right? But, 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 but yes, you can go sit down. You did awesome. I love you, baby girl. Anna, love you, girl. But, but here's the thing, like that's the picture. He's like, so walk, walk with Him. I wonder how many right now are dragging Jesus along, doing whatever we want to do. And we're missing out on His very best for our lives. We're missing out. And so the design is to so walk in Him. Walk in Him, that word received, it means to take something as your own. When you began a relationship with Jesus, that was not the finish line. It was the starting point. And it's this starting point, this journey of walking with Jesus as Lord of your life, following His lead. That word, lang or that language there, receive Christ Jesus as Lord, it would be the confession that one would make once they receive Christ and they're baptized publicly. They would say, I'm receiving Christ as my Lord. It's a confession. That's why baptism is such a beautiful picture. And my encouragement would be, if you're in this room today and you've accepted Christ but you've never followed in obedience to believers' baptism, that this is the confession, this is walking in obedience to what Christ has called us to do. It's that public display that you've, you've given your heart, your life to Christ, and He's made you a new creature. This is our confession. He says, walk in Him. 
When you walk in Him, him His mission becomes your mission. His desire becomes your desire. His wants become your wants. It goes on to say in verse 7, Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Those three words, rooted, built up, and established. They're all, if you dig into the original language there, they're all passive words. And basically what that means is you don't do it. You don't root yourself, you don't build yourself up, and you don't establish yourself. It's all the work of God. And so when you, when you receive Christ as Lord, accept Him by faith as Lord, what happens is He saves you. And He roots you in Him. No one can snatch you out of His hand. That you are built up. That means that you are, you are growing in likeness of your Heavenly Father. You're becoming more and more like Him. And you are established. That picture there is being immovable, unshakable. And one encouragement for us as believers is that I can't tell you what's going to happen this afternoon in our world or this week in our world. And, and, and I'm encouraged when, when I see great things happen, but we see brokenness all around us. All around us. And I'm so encouraged that as a believer that I rest in the unshakable character of God. That He is unshakable. That we are firmly planted in the sovereign, all-powerful, mighty God's hand. And we will not be shaken. And we can rest and have peace in the midst of lots of unpeace and unrest and brokenness. Because we rest in Him. He's unshakable. He grows us. So He roots us. He builds us up. He, he establishes. And then the rest of the verse says this. Abounding in thanksgiving. That's the one thing that we do. That's the one thing that we do. And so if we reflect back on the fact that He has delivered us, that He has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son, that we realize what He has done, that He has rooted us, He has built us, He has established us, then what happens is there is gratitude that comes out. And this is God's design for church and for His church. And so the challenge for us personally is, am I growing, am I thankful? Am I growing? Am I thankful? The single greatest antidote to frustration and discontentment and just all together, I don't like this, is being thankful. Because if we will pause long enough to think through the smoke and the noise and rise above, that there is so much to be thankful for. And that this is, this is what... This is what our mouths need to be sharing, is that thankfulness to God. And so there's just that practical challenge of being thankful. So, church, as we wrap up, may we pursue Christ in unity. If you're not connected, let's get connected. Help us let you get connected. Let's talk. Let's conversate. Let's, I'm so glad groups got back going today. Like, uh, you know, let, let's, let's get connected. That's his design. Don't go about this in isolation. In isolation. No Lone Rangers allowed. He had Tonto, right? He wasn't alone. You gotta be, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have that community that we would pursue Christ as our greatest treasure, that nothing else would matter more than Christ in our lives. And if there's anything that's hindering that, that we would set that aside because it's a counterfeit, and that we would pursue growth and gratitude together, and that thankfulness would be the echo of our lives. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Thankfulness, thankfulness. So if you're here today and um, just 
even asking a question, listening online, is that have you had that time and that place where you received Jesus Christ as your greatest treasure? What I'm asking is the word says in Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, treasure above all, Lord is over all, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so my encouragement today is have you received Christ as the treasure of your life? Because the encouragement is there is no satisfaction found outside of him. Every other road is a dead end road. I'm not saying everything's bad. I love life. I mean, I, I love life. I'm thankful. But I'm just saying he's, he's most important. He's most important. So if you've never accepted Christ, I encourage you to do that today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. Thank you, Father, for this letter that was written to a church that was under attack. And things were good. Things were real good. They were growing. They were thriving. They were bearing fruit. They were increasing. But sure enough, there were outside pressures that were trying to steal, kill, and destroy, present counterfeits. And God, we all know what a counterfeit is. It's a fake. There's no satisfaction outside of you. So Father, I pray that you would find us as your church, bought by your blood, that you would find us unified, unified in pursuing your glory and your mission. That's why we are here. Help us to live connected, intertwined lives, lifting one another up. God, I pray, Father, that you would be our greatest treasure above all things, that we would walk in you, walk in relationship with you. And Father, that we would overflow in gratitude, that we would continue to grow and mature in our faith, just like those big redwoods that we saw. God, you've designed us to grow, but you've designed us to grow in community. You've designed us to grow in a grove. So God, may we, may we grow together in you, God. And I pray even now for someone who may be here who's never accepted you as the Lord of their lives, that right now, in this moment, God, they would acknowledge their need for you and they would turn from their sin and turn to you and humble themselves, believing that you came, you lived a perfect life, you died on the cross and you rose from the grave, that by accepting you as Lord or boss of our life, God, you bring forgiveness and grace and salvation and purpose and peace. And not just for today and not just for a little while, but for all eternity, to spend eternity with the treasure of heaven. It's Jesus. So God, I pray you would do a work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to sing, and I invite you to stand with me. And so here's the deal. We're, we're kind of taking steps forward. So I just want you to know the altar's open. If you feel led or desire to pray, come pray. We'll have pastors available on the sides if you want someone to pray over you. We would love to do that. But let's just keep our hearts humble and hungry before the Lord. And whatever the God would want to accomplish in our hearts today, that He would have the freedom to do that. Let's worship the Lord.